Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Welcome to another episode of Bringing Design Closer. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a service designer and founder of This Is HCD and CEO of ThisIsDoing.com, where we provide live online design and innovation classes, providing training for service designers, design researchers, product managers, user experience designers, content designers, and much, much more. Today in the show is Rake van Dijk, co-founder and strategy director of Standby in Amsterdam and London, and is chair of the Dutch chapter of the Service Design Network and also co-founder of the Reach Network, a network of human-centered design agencies centered on service innovation. Rake is one of the most experienced design researchers that I know and has worked in this space since the early 90s. Now, in this episode, we chat about design research for meaningful change. We discuss purpose and intent and how do you determine if a project or a business is, say, good. So what is good and who defines good? It's a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. So let's jump straight in. Freika van Dijk, a very warm welcome to Bring Design Closer. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So, Rake, uh, tell us where are you coming from today? I'm now uh, in Amsterdam. You're in, in Amsterdam. Yes. What's it like over there at the moment? Uh, two days ago, 1st of July, things became more loose here. So you can get back together as long as you stay within social distance and washing hands, all those kind of things. So mm. uh, we're calmly <laughs> trying to find out if this works. Um, and if not, things will change back again. Today we're gonna we're gonna chat about design research for meaningful change, but let's start off by talking a little bit more and learning a little bit more about Rake. Um, tell us what you do and um, you know how long you've been doing it and so forth. Yeah, that's good. I'm one of the two directors and founders of Standby, which is based in Amsterdam and London. And how we phrase it on our website is we do design research for service innovation. So we're often invited in by clients and partner organizations uh, who are working on an innovation project, usually innovating their services and saying, we know a lot, we know in which direction we want to go, but we also, there's stuff we don't know. We have areas of uncertainty and they invite us in to help them to figure things out, especially where it concerns the people they are delivering their services to. So whether it's the city government working for citizens or a company working for their customers, or a hospital working for patients and professionals. It's not only towards uh, end users, but often about organizations as well. And they ask us to do um, research to understand things around those areas of uncertainties a little bit better, but also to help in the next step then of generating ideas and concepts to improve things. So okay. it's really a, a mix of uh, research, figuring things out, finding opportunities, and design, creating ways forward. Yeah. So 
you know, you mentioned there, you do the research, you generate in, insights and generate ideas off the back of those insights. Mm-hmm. Um, and you typically work for organizations where you're going to be able to evoke some positive change. Yes. We were discussing beforehand. Um, so is, is there a selection process there based on the kind of clients that, you know, you like to work for? It happens naturally, actually, because we we mm. usually don't work based on pitches where they send out a briefing to 10 agencies and you pitch. It's more they sort of find you or you find them. So there is a chemistry already. So it might be we have a lot of ongoing relationships with a lot of organizations who know us and know, ah, if I need this now, I go to standby or they hear of us. So yeah. somebody has worked with us before has a friend or a colleague or whoever and says, I think if you're uh, setting your teeth in this wicked problem, maybe you should speak with standby. So it's usually a project is out of the base, uh, is built on top of what first starts as very casual conversations. Mm. We are trying to figure this out. What do you think? We have some suggestions on this every year. You're the good people to work with. So it's not a selection process as in we have a list who we want to work with and you're not yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. But of course, you gravitate towards some, and also through your portfolio. We exist mm. for over 15 years now. So we have a profile. So yeah. some organizations naturally gravitate towards us and we towards them. We do have a very mixed list of clients and partners. So we are not specialized in a specific, specific domain. So if you would look at our portfolio on our website, you mm. would see very large international corporates yeah like the googles and the spotify's but you also see very very local uh, organizations like local councils or mm. it might be a school or a startup yeah. um, so very different sectors and very different types of organizations so what's really the common denominator between the projects is they're all trying to figure something out <laughs> in terms yeah. of how can we do things better yeah for either our own organization our, our staff or the people we work with, or the people in the end, our services are trying to help. Yeah. So typically, um, you know, I think most of the listeners will probably know what design research is, but maybe you could just give us a synopsis of how design research differs from, say, traditional uh, research. Yeah, yeah. So we, we sort of sit in a niche between a lot of different types of research, of course. Mm. You have, on the one hand... We stand on the shoulder of user-centered design, of course, because mm-hmm. it's the design research DNA is very much participatory, user-centered, iterative, um, yeah. designerly. So that's a big one. It also sits next to more academic types of research, like ethnography, yeah. describing how people do things and understanding cultures and behavior and motivation. It also sits um next to commonly known area of research was more like marketing research although we have mixed <laughs> relationships <laughs> with that people but know the, i've got a thought on marketing research yeah we all have but methodology wise of course the same mix of types of uh, methods are there you can do interviews you can do uh, co-creation group sessions you can do observations you can do surveys but it's the the purpose for what you do it is very different. Yeah. So where a design researcher um, works within a design project, you're, you're part of the, the 
of the process of figuring something out in order to do something with it. That already makes it very difficult for academic research, which is usually about just creating the knowledge. The design researcher wants to do something with that knowledge and contribute to an outcome, usually a new service concept. And with marketing research, it's very different. That's usually before design process. So we are sometimes briefed with stuff from, it could be business analytics or previously developed market segments so that's before the design process or after after our work is done and not just us but the other partners and the designers and the strategists and the the software developers then a lot of marketing research is done which is more how do we bring this to market how do we distribute it how do we promote it how do we price it and that is the traditional market research yeah so in standby's you know 15 years i know from speaking to bass um You've done an awful lot of work that has evoked positive change. Um, but one of the questions that I guess I have um, for organizations that do that or, or say that, um, how do you know that it's meaningful change and it's positive change? Yeah, It's a quandary that I've often had. Like you could take on a project and um, you might have one interpretation, but as you get closer to it, it changes. It changes mm-hmm. its perception. Yeah. yeah, it's a very interesting question which is a, a big one as well, but very, mm. very close to our hearts and super important to us as standby and everybody who works at standby and everybody we work with, because so what is super important. We're not just here to do endless interviews or endless <laughs> surveys or endless mm. observations. We do it because we are driven to to do something that contributes to positive change. So that means early on, before a project even starts, the conversations you have already about could we help out in this process? Because we're an agency basically, so we're, yeah. we're helping others do something. In that conversation already, it's about why. And that why is important for us to to be able to advise on what kind of methods could be used and make a proposal, mm. but it also starts off, why would we engage and do this? And then once we, um, engage and, and, and decide to do the project together and we get the project also throughout the whole project that question is repeatedly on the lips of all our design researchers are working on it because that's the only way how you can guide your fieldwork guide your analysis and guide your reporting because mm. it's it's usually qualitative research and there's a lot of filtering and selecting you need to do and there's a lot of let's say, nonsense data everywhere. (laughs) So you need to focus on what are the interesting bits if you are driven by meaningful change. So, I don't know, um, an example, Uh, a company comes to us and they say, we want to change our employee experience from the moment that people apply for a job with us to the moment they're interviewing, the moment they're waiting for their onboarding, the first day and starting their, their jobs. Um, you could look at that very instrumental and say, okay, just fixing a process, but it's really about um, people. Yeah. And so you go into that topic really about, so what is the perception of the process and where do you feel you are being um, well treated? Uh, Supported, what, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and where, can you, uh, where can things be changed from both sides, from the organization and from the, from the, the staff's perspective? Um, and that means you can you can help improving things, and that question should be asked everywhere. Um, 
And if it's between citizens and the, the local council, the same thing. Why would you change something if it's not for the better of yeah. the people in the street? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's a tough one because um, traditionally those organizations have successfully gone about their business and they've, they haven't had really think about this stuff. I'm, I'm thinking local councils here. I'm thinking governments as well. Mm. And when design enters the equation, they're like, well, how are you going to help me? We've been doing this anyway. Um, yeah. Have you experienced those kind of quandaries where you almost have to um, qualify why design research? A, bit, yeah. a project comes to mind that we're in at the moment for the uh, city council in Amsterdam. Hmm. And it's where um, they really, really, really in their heart, honestly, want to engage with the people in that particular area. And they say, we are going to uh, uh, reprofile the public space in that area. Mm -hmm. And we want the people who live there and who work there to have a say in it. And, and they're really from their hearts, they want it. But they yeah. find it very difficult because it's always us and them. And also from the residents, uh, it's difficult to have that direct conversation with councillors because then you start complaining or demanding. So it's good to have a facilitator. Um, and they like the sort of uh, co-creative way to do it. So they've invited us <laughs> to do it. And we can really help facilitating that conversation, but also, uh, let's say, guarding that the best interest from both sides I met, because yeah. there's so much you can discuss before you know everything needs to be discussed and you're deviating from the topic. So we need yeah. to keep it in focus on the public space, but also to keep it honest in a way, whereas I'm not questioning the integrity because they really want it, the, the, the project team we have from the city council, but because they're so bound up in politics between loads of different stakeholders, between every meeting we have, there's more do's, you need to do this, and don't, you can't do that. And sometimes it's, it's a bit pointless. So we are really um, trying to make a safe space for everyone. And the designerly approach um, of being very open and flexible, but having a structure really yeah. there, really helps. Yeah. It's an interesting size because creating that safe space usually, in my experience, comes from a well-formed design brief. Mm -hmm. And um, in my experience, in any of the design research projects that I've been engaged on, the brief could be a phone call that is pretty light on information and you might get a follow-up email with some attachments and that's that mm -hmm. so do you know what i'm talking about has that happened to you or is it just purely in my little world well there's a proposal always that you've agreed on and usually we write our brief because the type the... of project yeah well we don't get a brief usually we have a conversation yeah. yeah because we do what's often called foundational research or pre-roadmap pre-brief they often call it even they say we're not yet ready to brief the actual design Work. or innovation process exactly. so we want to do like a strategic orientation yeah. and that means they don't have a brief so they tell us a lot of things and we write the brief and we say mm. in the form of a proposal and say is this the scope so there's a certain bandwidth yeah um and it's true that throughout the project you start of course, with your double diamond, Converse, Everest, and you can lose track a little bit and get excited about things and, and the client yeah. side of. So we often go back to the post and also in our team. I often need to tell our design researchers in the team at various stages in the project, read the proposal again, yeah. because there is 
a direction. Of course, there is not what needs to be the outcome, but you mm. know what the sort of scope and bandwidth is. Yeah. Um, that's super important. Otherwise, anything goes. Yeah. And then you don't, you're not making much progress. Yeah, you're like a boat without a rudder. Yeah, and that's the same with that uh, meaningful change thing. So we often say to ourselves, yes, we do design research, but it's not about the skills and the methods and everything. You can We can talk for hours about that, but you mm -hmm. do it for something. You do it for a purpose and an intent. So in our proposals, our brief, there will be always an indication of that purpose or intent. Mm -hmm. And that is your anchor or your compass yeah. in the content of your project. And um, especially with qualitative research, there's lots of data, so you can lose track. But that yeah. compass will help you to slice through it uh, and to filter and find uh, what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. Like I'm thinking of one or two projects in my own, you know, personal and professional career where those uh, compasses or like principles were not properly defined and almost I had to help define them um, for the organization as I was going through that early pre pre research, whatever you want to call it, that stage before we were able to articulate what the brief really is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's super helpful to have those things, because, as you said, you could be bobbing along on the sea without a rudder and you're directionless and yeah. you're also powerless as well in many ways, because if you're in there in an organization where they're um, not design mature, shall we say, you can be exposed and, you know, you, you can come across as, you know, uh, as not, not being able to do the job properly and, and so yeah. forth. So that's really good advice. Yeah. And otherwise, if you don't have that sort of moral compass almost in it, you mm. can have endless yes and no's about yeah. fiddly things around process or methodology. Yeah. But everybody has opinions on it. Yeah. Um, but in the end, that's not why you do it. Mm. In the end, you do it because of the improvements you want to achieve, even though you don't know what it's going to be. But mm. at least it needs to be able to be validated later as, yes, this is an improvement. Yeah. So typically, um, you know, we've discussed that the projects that Standby take on um, are, are typically mm -hmm. for good. Um, and one of the projects that you mentioned when we were speaking earlier was around sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk about some of the, the sustainability projects that you're working yeah. on at the moment? Yeah, it's a lovely um, partnership we're um, in for about three years already, three, four years maybe. There's an organization based in here in Amsterdam, it's called What Design Can Do. Uh, and it started off doing uh, what they call design challenges around climate change. Uh, and they asked us to be their research partner. So what we often do is to um, prepare. So we read these huge UN reports of the IPCC, the climate change, really yeah. dense. <laughs> <laughs> academic stuff <laughs> and then we need to slice that and find a way in and to say well what can designers contribute to this and there's always something you can find yeah. so we make what we call briefing packages out of them together with what you can do and some fantastic uh, partnerships and for instance ikea foundation has, has um, uh, supported it for many years and they're really uh, engaged with it so with a lot of partners we make these um uh, briefing back. So last year, for instance, we introduced the clean energy. So it's all about clean energy challenge. And it's not also, many people think, oh, it's a, a designer-ton for ideas. No, it's really an accelerator program as well. So you submit ideas. It's global. So okay. everybody in the world can uh, uh, submit ideas. There's, they're nominated, there's winners, and those winners are supported for a year 
So they get a cash prize, of course, to develop the idea, but they're also supported in um, getting experts to help out with the business model or yeah. to help out with prototyping and testing. Um, and that whole process takes about a year and a half. So when that is on its way, we usually start a next topic within climate change for another design or challenge. And that, that's been really nice work to do because it's, um, it's a weaker problem. And it's really urgent, and it's really nice to see that also we from the creative industries uh, sector can really contribute to that, and we're really necessary because, of course, technologies are there because you need new technologies. Since the academics are there and policymakers are there, but there's a lot of work that can be uh, contributed by, um, yeah, opening it up to the general audience as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of startups come out of that as well. Social enterprises usually. Do you, do you complete the research as well when for uh, what design can do? Um, most of our work is in the, the pre-stage as well. So we make the selection because we would like with these challenges all the, 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 the applicants who start on the same foot so you don't all have to go to these reports. So we, we make it um, feasible to, for people and understandable. So there's a lot of visuals in there as well. And then um, we help, of course, with um, the peer reviewing of the nominees, the, the submissions, and then it's handed to a jury. And then in the acceleration stage, there's other experts who are good at that. But we often help. Uh, we are like um, one of the mentors when the, the winners are in the stage of prototyping and they need to start reaching out to their target groups and testing. Yeah. That's where we are experts again. So we can advise them on how to do Sweet. that. Sweet. Yeah. That'll be so rewarding. You get to see the best of the best coming through and then they meet Rake and Bass, um, you know, looking at the double diamond. <laughs> yes. It's very rewarding. It's also exhausting. Yeah. Um, because these are huge topics. So it's complex, mm. which is also interesting. But mm. it's also, it can make you very sad. The world is not in good shape. Uh, we're yeah. not going to fix this. So we need to tell ourselves and everybody also, it's not as easy and, oh, let's get some creators in and we'll come up with some idea and it's fixed. No, we all, the whole world needs to take baby steps, baby steps. But if with the millions we make these baby steps, we'll get there. So we're committed to that. But I can yeah. also see within our team that um, at certain stages, of that preparatory research, mm. they're quite depressed yeah. reading all these reports and thinking, oh my God, this is so huge, what can we do? Um, so I'm also very happy that we have a very mixed portfolio of very different projects, big and small, different mm. types of organizations, because you need to maintain your optimism and your energy with this kind yeah. of work. So it can be a blessing to just work on a really nice project with Spotify and to see how can we do a new service for kids. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, and that's it's, also meaningful change, but it's a very different load. Um, yeah. So it's that's mixing also it up. very important. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I've worked in spaces and, you know, it can be so overwhelming and it's very hard. Typically for design researchers, we don't switch off. We take our work with us. You know, the moments we have our coffee in our hands, we're looking at and we're thinking about that project or those quandaries of those interviews. Um, that's another interview in itself, like how do designers maintain strong resilience and mental health uh, when they're researching such complex problems yeah. and situations. And, and open to, because that's the other side of the coin, is 
you love the complexities because that makes you your brain wake up, right? Yeah. But you can't be getting exhausted. You need this freshness as well. Mm. So it's it's keeping that openness to explore things and to dive into things, but also to um, be able to stay healthy. Yeah. Mentally and physically. Yeah. Looking at sustainability as a as a huge wicked problem. Um, mm-hmm. What advice do you give to designers who are in that space in design research? And they're being overwhelmed. So if one of your designers is currently mm-hmm. overwhelmed and they don't have the luxury of moving on to a Spotify or something that's kind of fun, and I don't mean that in any sort of uh, mm-hmm. negative way towards Spotify, but when it's compared to something like sustainability, um, you know, it's a different subject altogether. But what, yeah. what advice do you give to those a designers? A couple of advices. One would be to really partner up because we see... A lot of very enthusiastic people jumping into it. Oh, I want to work on uh, good things, <laughs> social design, sustainability. And with that mindset in the design schools, we're being trained to fix things. This isn't mm-hmm. fixable. So that's, yeah. that can drain you to have that sort of mindset. So one advice is to, to be humble. It sounds so stupid, but to, mm-hmm. to just contribute is good enough rather than how my project will fix this, and also to reach out and partner up. Because although we have experienced and and found out in the last couple of years how much design can contribute to other sectors as well, and how Mm -hmm. welcome it's welcomed in, we shouldn't think that we can do everything. So it's super important to work with ecologists, for instance, Mm -hmm. or people who know their way around the technology, or even policymakers and um, strategists. Because we can't, we are all about, oh, business model canvas, I will do that. But it's, it's something else to set up a good business model and to implement it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's knowing what your limits are as well, because you can be draining and overwhelming yourself because you're taking the world on your shoulders. And yeah. maybe that's not fair to yourself as well. Yeah, that's superhero complex. That... Yeah, yeah, chip off a little bit. And that's also already interesting. Yeah. I wasted 10 years of my life at the superhero complex where I was like, I'm going to do the best workshop that's ever happened on you know earth and it's going to solve the world's problems. And unfortunately, you know, I, I learned, um, you know, through the hard way that design alone is not going to change the world. It's working with all the other disciplines like product management and business. And built on, stand on the shoulders of others. Absolutely. We use things that have been figured out before. Don't reinvent the wheel because it makes you feel uh, yeah. creative. Don't yeah. don't go for glory, you know. Like that's one yeah, of my things. Yeah, be ambitious, yes, I would yeah. say, and do the best you can, yes. But yeah. sometimes, um, and and there we can learn from the open source community, software developers, where yeah, share your code. So you don't have to write everything from scratch. If you share, you're already six pass, uh, pass, pass absolutely places ahead, and you can build the custom stuff that makes sense. And that's the same with design and with research. Share everything. Yeah, what's one of the originations of this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because um, something that I've noticed when I studied a very long time ago industrial design, I left university, and success to me at that time was working in an industry that, you know, was building cool things, building technology, and um, you know, I had a kind of an enlightening period about maybe probably about ten years ago. But now, when I start to speak to more um, students that are coming out of university. I am amazed by the amazing talent 
that is out there and mm-hmm. they all want to change the world they've got a completely different mindset than, than mm-hmm. me and my peers had at that stage in the early 2000s mm-hmm. so what advice do you give to them who want to get into design research because I, I have yet to meet one student who doesn't want to work in areas that are going to improve and better the world but yeah. they I know many of them find it difficult to get into this world yeah. in design research to get those well, one opportunities. One big advice would be because we get a lot of people knocking on our door, um, which is nice. And I love people with ambition and enthusiasm. But sometimes they are too simplistic in making this distinction that doing things for good, and they, or they call it social design or whatever, is always non-profit or public sector. And I don't agree with that at all. There's a lot of meaningful change to be done in the in the profit for profit sector. Yeah. And very meaningful projects as well. And I would even say it's as important because the meaningful change needs to be everywhere. And that's not just sustainability. It's also bringing that human perspective into innovation projects and making sure that projects are really about how would this so what how would this be better for everyone um, and that i notice sometimes that um just out of school it seems there's two paths <laughs> either you go for this big shiny career um, uh, and a big paycheck and, and companies or you choose another path. and i don't don't think it's that clear distinction i think totally there can be bullshit projects to be done in the mm-hmm. public sector and non-profit <laughs> and yeah. there can be fabulous projects to be done in profit. So yeah. I would say look for the, the real meaningful yeah. change and wherever it is, yeah. go for it. Yeah. No one's going to come up to you when you're 30 and 35 and give you a nice little badge and saying, well done, you know, if you're working in a, a, a government organization that really aren't doing much good. So there's huge opportunities working in spaces that we might typically, um, you know, believe to be not doing good. And we actually were just speaking earlier about a financial project that I was involved in that I believed was for good. And I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. I get in. And then as I got closer to it, I was like, oh, this isn't actually that good for good. I'm like, I don't know what to do here. And, you know, what I was telling you earlier Mm. was I had that quandary of do I leave and just kind of go, look, I don't want to be involved. This is kind of not my thing. Or do I stay and try and evoke the mm. change? And I did the latter. And it actually felt better to be sitting in amongst the tension and being the, I don't want to say the uh, the, the, the person sort of blocking the flow, but I was definitely asking the tough questions. Oh. And there's, there's real value to be uh, that person in the room to make people second guess because you'll yeah. find very quickly there's a couple of other people in that room are having the same thoughts and you can We're start also trying to improve things for the better absolutely yeah. you can build a we momentum a, it reminds me of another project we did last year there was also a, a bank approaching mm. us innovation center of a bank saying okay work with us and actually we were a little bit like mm, do we want to but we went to speak and it was really a, a really well-meant good project where they said we want to see what we could do beyond banking yeah. maybe we should think about doing more than just um, helping people to get loans and mortgages maybe we should look at we are in an aging society and there's lots of older people and they need to uh, they're in these houses that are too big for them they need to be rebuilt or they need mm. to move to smaller we maybe we should as a bank engage in the, the housing sector and mm-hmm. be more early stage, helping to get new concepts, housing concepts, and helping them to, and that's really um, difficult in the building sector because it's a very traditional sector. 
So the way of financing that has risks. But if mm. as a big party, you're willing to change your role and to start financing others. So that was fantastic, actually. So that was a good, to cheer you up, a good example yeah. <laughs> of a project where we thought, that is a very daring move. Yeah. And they do have, because in these innovation uh, departments, they have the opportunity to do very early exploratory pilot projects. Mm. Um, and then there's a late, so it's like a sandbox in a later stage to do sidebar or to do costs and everything. Yeah. So you can find these kind of um, very um, promising seats everywhere. Absolutely. The opportunities are there. Um, it's just what you make of it really is, is w- w- how I've understood it to be. Um, so we're, we're coming towards the end of, of the episode. It's It's Ooh, been, it's, 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 it's one of those conversations where it's like having a, you know, coffee with an old friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you're involved with this is doing as well, which is you know mm-hmm. our sister program about enablement and innovation and design training. You've got a course coming up on yeah. deep dive into mm-hmm. design research. Tell us a little bit more about that course. Yes, I'm uh, co-delivering uh, it with uh, one of our partners in India, Babita George. She works at Quicksand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a course where we really hope to get people together who are already engaged in design research and not people who um, it's not a starting course but it's really people who are doing design research are still very willing to learn about it yeah uh, and we have stuff to share of course with the tutors but also yeah. uh, what we hope is to have conversations about how to apply it yeah so it's not about the basics of uh, how to use a certain method but really if you start applying it then you hit new questions and those new questions are very interesting mm. um, so that's the the engagement level of the course. And then, of course, we will uh, have uh, it's six sessions. And in every session, we'll go sort of through the different stages of a project and focus on uh, um, yeah, all the questions you hit in every stage. When I read the, the course description, mm-hmm. it's a blended course between theory and action. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and you've also got coaching in there as well. Yes, it's training so. and coaching. Yeah, it, it's there's all the three parts to me that I look for my personally whenever I look for courses to, to learn from. Yeah, is yeah what we really oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, we, we really hope is uh, we'll have these sessions, which are joint sessions with all the participants, but to yeah. also plan um, calls in between one on one, so uh-huh. people can can ask specific questions, and we can also zoom in a little bit on the particular projects the participants are uh, working on, and that would slow down the joint sessions too much to go to, into detail. So we'll park that for one-on-one calls, which we call the coaching calls. Yeah, nice. Yeah. If people want to reach out to you, um, how do mm-hmm. they do that? What, are you on Twitter? Yes, of course. Hello, Reike. Hello, Reike. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know that one. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll drop a link to that in the show notes. And oh, also, Reike, it was brilliant chatting with you this evening. Um, have a great weekend. Lovely conversation. Thank you. So there you have it. That's all for this episode of Bringing Design Closer. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.